Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 638. Could we have a little eclipse music, please? Sounds pretty eclipsy. If you're listening to our show live on the 20th of August, you know that tomorrow is the day of the big solar eclipse, which will provide totality in a 70-mile swath of territory all across the United States, starting in Salem, Oregon, and stretching to Charleston, South Carolina. Observers outside the path will still see a partial solar eclipse where the moon covers part of the sun's disk. What effect will the eclipse have on birds? As reported on National Audubon's website, researcher Elise Richard experienced the total eclipse five years ago in Australia. She described feeling something shift in the air as the sky became dark. She said the couple hundred human observers weren't the only ones noticing something strange happening. I distinctly remember the noisy birds in the jungle behind me going silent as totality hit the beach. Well, if you're lucky enough to be in that 70-mile swath somewhere in the U.S. tomorrow, you'll get a chance to see how the birds and other creatures, including humans, react. And thanks to the California Academy of Sciences, you can even contribute your observations and become a citizen scientist for the day. That's thanks to their iNaturalist app in a special feature called Life Responds that lets users log wildlife sightings 30 minutes before, 5 minutes during, and 30 minutes after the eclipse. This is a free app, which is why I have it on my phone, and it's pretty cool and worth getting even if you're not going to be in the lucky total eclipse path. Again, the app is called iNaturalist. The letter I, iNaturalist, and you can get it for free wherever you get your apps. By the way, in terms of what to expect to see, here's a little something more. This is from Scott McWilliams, a wildlife ecology professor at the University of Rhode Island. He's quoted as saying this about birds' response to the total eclipse. Most songbirds will treat it as nightfall as long as they're in the 100% eclipse pathway. Diurnal songbirds will become quiet. Nocturnal birds, the opposite. Thus, for the most part, silence will follow the darkness. After the sun peaks out again, the chorus will resume as if it's a brand new morning. But because it's August and not spring, don't expect many species to burst into dawn songs. Keep an ear out for red-eyed vireos, northern cardinals, and other birds prone to late summer crooning, along with non-avians like common true katydids, frogs, and toads. That's from Scott McWilliams at the University of Rhode Island. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. A fascinating tool for figuring out feathers. Our associate producer, Debbie Bleacher, recently used it to ID a primary feather of a red-tailed hawk that she found near her home. You can learn about it on our page right now. Our man, Mike O'Connor, encounters a family of feral cats and offers compassionate advice on what to do about them. 
And we have photos of two baby hummingbirds learning to sip from flowers. Thanks to our friends at Wild Care Cape Cod. And this post also includes info on proper feeding of hummers at your feeder. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. On our Talking Birds blog this week, the American Bird Conservancy reports that an international team of researchers has solved one of South America's great bird mysteries, that of the elusive Tachira antpitta. We spoke of it on a recent show, and you can read a whole lot more about it right now on our Talking Birds blog, easily found at talkingbirds.com. Listening to our mystery bird, this is a little preview of our mystery bird contest. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, a little preview so you'll be ready to call in uh, and win not only a Droll Yankees feeder, but our bonus prize today, a big bag of bird-friendly birds and beans, shade-grown coffee. Our mystery bird is a large black diver with a long body, a long neck, a medium-sized thin bill that's hooked at the tip in a bare patch of orange-colored facial skin. Our bird eats mostly fish, which it grabs with its bill after diving from the water's surface. It has less preen oil than other birds, so its feathers get soaked rather than shedding water. It's often seen standing in the sun, spreading out its wings to dry. You know what it is. That's our mystery bird. We'll be doing this contest a little bit later in the program. Here we're getting very close to the Galapagos. To the time for our trip to the Galapagos Islands, that is. We'll be heading out on the 21st of September. And if you'd like to join up with us before it's too late to do so... Do pay a visit ASAP to this website for all the details, sunrisebirding.com. That's the marvelous small group touring company that's putting our trip together. We'll be exploring the incredibly fascinating Galapagos Islands aboard a beautiful little ship called the Eric. And we have a great bunch of folks joining us, including Alan and Marjorie from right here in our radio hometown of Marshfield, Mass., We have Lisa from Granby, Connecticut. We have Jerome from Phoenix, Arizona, also among our fellow explorers. And there's still a bit of room left on board, but if you'd like to join us, please act quickly. Find out all about it at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Still to come on our show today, when we talk about threats to the survival of birds, window crashes are right up there near the top of the list. Are we making any progress in dealing with the problem? We'll find out when we speak with one of the world's leading experts on the topic, Dr. Daniel J. Clem, right here this morning. We'll also find out this morning about feeding peanuts to your birds. Mike O'Connor is an expert on that and many other things about bird feeding. He'll be with us here on our Let's Ask Mike segment. And in our mystery bird contest, that fabulous Droll Yankees feeder, Big Bag of Birds and Beans Coffee as a bonus prize is coming up. And up next, we learn that Sean Connery apparently doesn't know much about birds as we meet today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. That music is from the film Finding Forrester, starring Sean Connery. In one of the movie's scenes, Connery's character videotapes a bird from an apartment window, proclaiming that it is an adult male Connecticut warbler. He then shows the image on his camcorder. 
But the image we see is not that of a Connecticut warbler. It's an adult male yellow warbler, which doesn't look like a Connecticut warbler at all. The yellow warbler is almost all yellow with a faint chestnut streaking on its chest. Our friend Marge Rines says she was mortified when she saw this mistake in the movie, especially since she'd worked as a consultant for the film, advising them on which birds might be included in certain New York scenes. Well, you just can't trust those Hollywood folks. But then again, we can't put a lot of trust in the folks who named the Connecticut warbler, since the bird doesn't nest in Connecticut and isn't even a common migrant there. That state just happened to be the place where the first specimen was collected. The Connecticut warbler breeds mostly in Canada and the northernmost part of the U.S. upper Midwest. Our bird does have some yellow coloring on the belly and undertail area, but it's recognized by a gray hood, throat, and chest, and a very distinct white eye ring, along with an olive green back and wings. It feeds in a variety of woodland habitats on insects and sometimes fruit at or just above ground level. In nesting season, look for its open cup nest on or near the ground or at the base of a shrub. But don't look for it if you're in Connecticut. Oh, by the way, one thing connected with that film that our friend Marge was happy about, they didn't list her in the credits. It's Operornis agilis, the Connecticut warbler. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. By the way, uh, in the August issue of Bird Watching Magazine, there's a great piece about the Connecticut warbler, and it talks about some new discoveries about the incredible migratory feats of this bird. New information that's pretty amazing. We'll talk about it, too on our show next week. Thanks for being with us here on our show today. Please visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinBirds. Dr. Daniel Clem Jr. is Professor of Ornithology and Conservation Biology at Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And he joins us by phone right now on Talking Birds to talk about the topic of bird window crashes. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on with us, uh, Dan. You published a paper back in 1990 uh, suggesting that between 100 million and a billion birds die by crashing into glass buildings or glass-covered buildings each year in the United States. I mean, the popularity of glass for buildings has not exactly diminished. So what about now? Is it more? Is it less? Well, uh, you know, in the sciences, uh, you build a better mousetrap and uh, they forget you. But uh, mercifully for me, at least in this particular paper, although the estimates that were made that 100 million to 1 billion was uh, really quite crude, uh, nonetheless, uh, a very recent study published in 2014 using very sophisticated mathematical modeling at the Smithsonian Institution was able to come up with similar figures, about 365 million to about a billion birds annually dying. Now, this is objective data that was available from people like myself and others who have studied this issue, and the scientists there at the Smithsonian did a remarkable job, and at least, uh, for me anyway, I'm somewhat relieved that uh, I, 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 at least I was in the target area. Mm-hmm, I guess so. Uh, I was interested So, so your... might I add, though, Ray, sure. you know, the, the issue always comes up, you know, I mean, how relevant is this? 
in terms of the uh, attrition that's occurring to our natural bird life. And if you even took that lowest estimate of 100 million birds uh, that I published back in 1990, you'd need 333 Exxon Valdezes every year to equal that number. Mm. Now, if you think about that, you know, when you listen to the media uh, regularly on our news, uh, environmental disasters come all the time in terms of oil spills, but nobody seems to be talking about windows. Yeah, and uh, as you say, uh, this is an indiscriminate killer that takes the fit as well as the unfit of a species population. Well, you know, that's an interpretation to be sure. I mean, we don't really have any hard data, just like we characteristically don't have very much hard data on any of the elements that are attacking our uh, our avifauna. Uh, you know, the the the, uh, the exception, of course, is the hard work that was done over almost a decade uh, exposing DDT and its problems for many species of birds. But uh, uh, it turns out that uh, our records of of, of increased uh, attrition are uh, are mounting, and uh, more and more studies are being published. Your research, uh, which has been going on for decades now, has influenced the design of buildings, including the Niagara Falls State Park Observation Tower, in which you were a design consultant. Tell us about that uh, building, if you would. Well, I, uh, yeah, that's a, it's a fascinating story. I went to a, a waterbird meeting in the Canadian side of Niagara Falls and saw some uh, drapes over the cliff and asked everybody I could come in contact with what the Americans were doing over there. And Two weeks after returning home, I got a call from the state park system explaining to me that they had originally decided to tear down the observation tower, but there was a public outroar. They committed to redo it. They originally had a design that was all mirrored glass, and this is an important bird area, an international important bird area. And they discovered my research, contacted me, and asked if I would participate in offering them designs. I did that, but I never got any feedback. Five years later, on my way to Toronto uh, to give a talk, I stopped by and I saw that they had used my designs. It was a striped pattern to ensure that the birds would be able to see the tower and not crash into it. Uh, it you know, they had signage up from the time they uh, put the tower up, and it's relevant because eight to nine million people visit Niagara Falls, our first state park in the United States of America, every year. And having that signage there to explain the issue of bird strikes on windows and this particular uh, element, this particular tower uh, addressing it was was very, very important. What was significant, really, was uh, the kindness with which the current administration in the state park system reached out after 17, 16 years and decided to include my little institution, uh, Muhlenberg College, on the sign uh, because we were responsible for uh, the research that went into uh, putting it up. So that, that was, the, was significant for us, but the birds were still... Uh, uh, being uh, people were still being educated about the birds because of the tower. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take it down to that public level in terms of uh, people in in our own homes and so on. What have we learned about uh, making our own homes uh, more bird friendly in terms of window crashes? Well, here again, I, I think it's uh, largely unappreciated and 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 mainly unknown. You know, I'm striving and have been for a long time to. Uh, develop a critical mass of the general public to try to address this issue, to alert our 
our leaders and our legislators and our uh, law enforcement agencies that protect our wildlife to do something about this. I'm certainly not interested in turning any law enforcement people on citizens. If they did that, they'd have to do that to me as well, where all of our buildings at homes and commercial workplaces are uh, killing birds unintentionally. But there are many now uh, simple and inexpensive techniques that, if acceptable to a homeowner, they can apply to their windows. There are, uh, there's tape. There are strings that can be placed up. Uh, the American Birding Conservancy in Washington has done us a great service. They have a wonderful website, and they highlight many of these uh, inexpensive techniques that people can apply to their homes. And I, I recommend your listeners to... Uh, to certainly consult them. Yeah, American Bird Conservancy. We connect with them a lot, and they do uh, do indeed do some great stuff. I think it's abcbirds.org. I hope that's uh, right. Is there, I think that's is, correct. Is, is their website. Uh, uh, Dan, you've uh, also been quoted as saying, uh, as you talk about trying to get the word out and trying to get people really aware of this, I guess in the industry as well as, as uh, people in their homes, you've been quoted as saying, we've got to find a celebrity who's going to make this seem important. Any luck with that? Well, you know, I I have a a doctoral student, a very wonderful young woman down in Costa Rica, and she visited us last year in the fall semester. And I took her to the Smithsonian, and we missed Mr. DiCaprio by one day. (laughs) Uh, That would have been our time to try to pitch his interest in the environment to try to take up this cause. The the business about a celebrity has come up most recently because our local and our state of Pennsylvania Audubon Society, in addition to uh, the National Audubon Society, are in the process of developing an education PowerPoint on the topic. And although we have narrative for it, we are thinking that it would be unbelievably uh, advantageous if we could get a celebrity to to do a, a narrative which would be very, very simple and just take up a very modest amount of time. I wrote a little cover letter to, to try to introduce it to as many uh, celebrities as we thought were environmentally sensitive. You know, Robert Redford always comes to mind, but then I'm sort of an old fat guy, and uh, there are probably far more celebrities that are interested in the environment that I'm aware of. Uh, but no bite so far. We're, we still have the hook out, and we're still hoping that somebody will lend their generosity to this uh, deserving uh, um, project. Well, maybe there's a celebrity or two listening right now who will get in touch with you or with us. Dr. Daniel Clem, Jr. is Sarkis Sokopian Professor of Ornithology and Conservation Biology at Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Dan, uh, thank you for your great work, and thanks for being on with us. Well, Ray, uh, Thank you for being party to saving more bird lives, windows, and doing so. Have a great day. And you too. And coming up here next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. Hi, this is Dave from Lancaster, New Hampshire. I've been listening to Talking Birds for the past two years or so. I became an ambassador because I wanted others to understand what a great program this is. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Dave and become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. 
Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. That's the sound of uh, several of our mystery birds. Our bird is a large black diver with a long body, a long neck, a medium-sized thin bill that's hooked at the tip in a bare patch of orange-colored facial skin. It's our mystery bird contest, and you're eligible to win if you haven't been a winner here on Talking Birds in the last six months. And our prize today is the beautiful Droll Yankees original iconic A6F classic tube feeder copied all over the world, but as they say, never quite duplicated Droll Yankees makers of the world's best bird feeders. That's our main prize. And then our bonus prize is a big bag of birds and beans, bird-friendly, shade-grown coffee. 781-837-4900 is the number to call to identify this mystery bird or take a guess. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. A little bit more in the way of a clue. Our bird eats mostly fish, which it grabs with its bill after diving from the water's surface. It has less preen oil than other birds, so its feathers can get soaked rather than shedding water. It's often seen standing in the sun, spreading out its wings to dry. Chances are you have seen this bird. Just tell us now what it is. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor as we do every week down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. Your trash can is full of recyclables? No, it's full of trash. You say trash, Maria. I say rubbish. Whatever it is, I'm not going through it. I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. The theme music for Mike O'Connor, the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, where the sun shines um, 365 days a year, and I believe 24 hours a day, if I'm not mistaken, except during the eclipses. Uh, good morning, Mike. I know. The eclipse is going to break our streak of 24-7 sun. Well, what are you going to do? Oh, gee. Oh, well. Check with the <laughs> Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce. Oh, have... my goodness. All day long, people are calling for those. All right, tell your listeners, we don't have... Uh, those glasses, those eclipse oh, glasses. Eclipse, you don't have those? No, okay. it's nothing to do with birds, but people are calling like a stream. <laughs> you know, they must be hard to get one with. Yeah. When they're calling us, these yeah. people are desperate. Do you have plumbing supplies? <laughs> hey, I don't know if you can hear that uh, music there, Mike. You recognize that? Yeah, that's the theme for Peanuts. That's the Peanuts theme. We had to play that because that's our topic this morning, right? Yeah, yeah, and we talk a little bit about peanuts, an alternative food source for a lot of uh, the people can offer birds. Yeah. 
You can get peanuts in two forms. You can get it in the shell, you know, like you, you know, like you get at the ballpark. And you can also get it without the shell if you don't want a little um, some shells on the ground. Uh, it's a good alternative if you get it in the shell. Yeah. Don't get it. Don't get any kind of salted or treated peanuts. Just get mm-hmm. regular peanuts in the shell, un- yeah. untreated in any way, and put those out. And the blue jays and uh, and go nuts for them. Yeah. <laughs> Little little joke I made there, right? Um, they go crazy. <laughs> I didn't for get them. it. I didn't they... get it. That's right. <laughs> so I do tip mice for some reason. Tip mice, you know, the peanut is about the size of of a tip mouse, and they just go out of their way. <laughs> they go crazy yeah. for them. So those are two yeah. birds you can really attract with mm-hmm. uh, peanuts in the shell. Maybe put them in a tray. They have specialty feeders for these peanuts in the shell, but they're so the shells are so large that the, mm-hmm. you have to fill the feeder every few minutes. So I would just take a pile, put them in a tray, or put them someplace on a board, and then the, the jays will grab them. And, you know, and I know a lot of people say, oh, the jays are mean birds. I think they're beautiful, so I go out of my way to attract them. And tip mice for some reason. Then, then the alternative is without the shells, and you get those just little peanuts, and you can put those in a thin wire tube. It's like it's wire mesh, yeah. and you put them in there, and then the birds will come and pluck little bits out of them. They don't, they don't take the whole thing in this case. They just pluck little bits out of them. And tip mice like them, chickadees like them. Yeah. But most important, woodpeckers really go out of their way for them. So this is kind of an alternative to suet. A lot of people maybe don't like suet. Maybe you got a lot of, you probably have a huge vegetarian audience there. And so this is kind of the veggie alternative. Mm. Put peanuts without the shells in these wide tubes, and then yeah. the birds will come and, and pick little bits out of them back and forth. But the downside of peanuts out of the shell is they, they can spoil quickly. Mm. Um, so probably use small amounts and change them. Like, uh, you guys had some nice weather the other night, but we got nine inches of rain here on the Cape, even, even though the sun was Even out. though the sun never is, yeah, it's still out. <laughs> it was a sun, sun shower. shower. That's right. And so I yeah. just took my my peanuts in and I, I, I ditched them and I put out some fresh ones. So, cause without the shell, they spoil these. You've got to be careful of using peanuts, but the birds really go out of their way for them, for sure. All right. What about dry-roasted peanuts? Does that make a difference? I wouldn't, I wouldn't... No? I don't know. I don't Not know. Never, oily, I think maybe. that's too much money. Yeah. Okay, how about... Uh... <laughs> I, they, I try to offer things that they would find in the wild. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think there's, there's any dry-roasted peanut plants growing, and so I would say no. Uh, probably. How about beer nuts? <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, those are always under a buck. We'll talk about those next time. Man. I know in Europe they use the Spanish peanuts, but that's uh, another topic for another that's day. That's another as well. topic for another yeah. day. All right, thank you, Mike. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store, Cape Cod. Meanwhile, we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. <laughs> Trying to identify this mystery bird who's there with some of his pals. It's a large black diver. With um, a long body, a long neck, a medium-sized thin bill that's hooked at the tip, and a bare patch of orange-colored facial skin. Our bird eats mostly fish, which it grabs with its bill after diving from the water's surface. It has less preen oil than other birds. Its feathers then get soaked rather than shedding water. And you've seen this bird standing in the sun, spreading out its wings to dry. 781-836... I'm sorry, 837 where did I get that from? 781-837-4900. We have uh, our names of our callers on whiteboards here. Unfortunately, we're using a yellow marker on the uh, whiteboard, so I'm going to see if I can possibly see what those say there. I think that one says Terry. Am I right? Okay, I'm getting a thumbs up. And he's in um, 
could be just about anywhere on there. Why might be we, a she. Where is that? <laughs> I'm saying it might not be a he, but we'll figure that out. That's true. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Yeah, we'll figure it out is right. Let's, uh, why don't we, um, let's see. Terry, good morning. Are you there? See, I guess that yellow marker has more of an effect than we uh, we thought. All right, we don't seem to be able to connect with Terry, so we'll try. I believe that says uh, Ruth, and she is uh, calling from somewhere. And hello, she, hello, Ruth. This is Terry. Oh, it's Terry. Okay. Hi. Hi. Well, say hello to <laughs> How Ruth. How are you? All right. I don't know what happened there, Terry, but it all started with that yellow um, highlight. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we have we have a mystery bird, and what do you think it is, Terry? I think it's a great cormorant. A great. Oh. The audience is applauding uh, prematurely there because that wasn't exactly correct. Um, okay. Yeah, but um, we're going to see if... Great black cormorant? A great black or a big great black cormorant with wings. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll take another call. If nobody gets the right answer, though, we'll we'll come back to you. Okay, All thank right? you. Okay. Thank well, you, Terry. All right. We're going to get through this. I think we're going to um, another person whose name I can't read. Good morning. Hello. It's Janice. Jess. Is Janice. 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 Right. Hi, Janice. Sorry about all Hi. that. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, and yourself? Fine. Mystery bird, Janice. Yes. I'm guessing the uh, double-crested cormorant. That's exactly right. Yes. And you win the Droll Yankees feeder. We don't have time to do the bonus question, so you automatically win the birds and beans coffee. How's that? That sounds wonderful. Thank you, Janice. Stay on the line. Thank you. We'll get to you there and take care of that, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. For Lane's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.